What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 95, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC on ESPN Plus card going down this Saturday, March 14, 2020, headlined by Kevin Lee versus Charles Oliveira. This fight card will take place in Brasilia, Brazil, featuring 12 fights airing entirely on ESPN Plus, with the first six prelim fights starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time in the main card with six fights starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So this card is going forth or forward as planned, even though we had some fears over the coronavirus canceling it. Uh, I believe the event will take place with no fans in the arena, and that actually might affect these fights a little bit. Brazil is, is very common to get some uh, hometown decisions for Brazilians, and that might not, not be a factor in some of these fights now. So I think that the, from top to bottom, the card is really good. I think the main card and the main event is a, are, is a great fights, and I'm really excited to break down these fights. So we're going to start things off with the first fight of the evening in the women's bantamweight division, where we have Veronica Macedo, who is 6-3-1, taking on Bia Malecki, who is 1-0. The opening betting line for this one was Macedo, the favorite, at minus 162, Malecki plus 130. Right now, we are seeing Macedo minus 170, Malecki plus 150. So I'd say that this is a bit wide, this opening betting line, or where the opening line was set was okay. Where it's at now, I think it's still a bit wide. Um, I'll just come out and say one thing off the bat is I think this fight is extremely low level, as low level as you can get in the UFC, as evident by the fact that Malecki has one pro fight. Um, so I honestly think it's kind of embarrassing this fight is taking place in, in the UFC. But uh, regardless, we got Malecki who is moving down to 135 and Macedo who is moving up to 120 or 35. She spent a lot of her career at 25 and has struggled with the size at 35 before, got knocked out by... Uh, Ashley Evans-Smith at 135 pounds. And, um, I mean, Malecki's going to have a massive size advantage. I'm talking like six inches of reach, maybe even more than that. I'm talking maybe six or eight inches of, of height and reach on Macedo here. Uh, I don't really think she knows how to use it that well. I mean, she's just so unskilled. Uh, she just throws straight punches and a super sloppy boxing technique. Her last fight, she was getting outstruck by Duda Santana. Got taken down a few times, uh, was able to just end up on top of a, a really lucky grappling scramble in round two and get a, an opportunistic rear naked choke. That was su- one of the most lucky wins I've ever seen in the UFC, being Malecki's last fight. So I think that Macedo has the better technique all around. Uh, Macedo's got that uh, t- taekwondo background. She's got some decent kicks, uh, good boxing. It's going to be hard for her to land strikes, though, because the size difference is so big. And on the ground, I think Macedo is way better. She has pulled off a nice submission in her last fight against Viana. And I think that uh, we will see Macedo probably outgrapple Maleki, maybe even get on her back, look for a submission. But the size difference in this fight... And the fact that Macedo is moving up, Malecki's moving down, I mean, all signs point to Malecki having a massive size advantage. That's going to make the fight hard to win for Macedo. And uh, at the current odds, I think that there is value on Malecki. I won't be betting it, though. I think that if you bet either side of this fight, you're going to feel like you need to shower after watching it because it's likely going to be really, really sloppy. So the pick is going to be Macedo by decision, but it's a pass in both ends of the betting window. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Bruno Silva, who is 10-4-2, taking on David Dvorak, who is 17-3. 
the opening betting line for this one was Silva, the minus 145 favorite to Dvorak, plus 115. Right now, the line is Silva, minus 115, Dvorak, minus 105. So much more action coming in on the dog in this one. David Dvorak is making his UFC debut here, 17-3 uh, record. He's fought some some decent competition, not great competition. I was actually kind of unimpressed with the competition that he's fought. If you look at the records online, they look okay. But for instance, this last guy, Arsen Tagayabov, was 16-2, and and he was a really, really bad fighter. So, I mean, his win, his win, that guy's record is just filled with wins over cans. And, um, you know, Dvorak dealt with him appropriately. Uh, I, I've seen some good things from Dvorak he seems to hit pretty hard for the weight class he's got a lot of knockout wins uh, has a good ground game we have not seen much defensive grappling from him which is the biggest concern about this fight because Silva likely looks to offensive grapple here uh, he was getting outstruck by Naramani in round or by Taha in round one and then came back in round two got a takedown and got four minutes of top time and then eventually gassed out in round three and got uh, choked out but he definitely uh, has a good top game he can hit takedowns Silva's dropping down and weight in this fight his last fight was at 135 pounds Really interesting statistic about Silva is he has gone back and forth between 35 and 25 for his past eight fights. So he's gone up and down, up and down, up and down eight times in a row. And I, honestly, I don't know what sense that makes. He just can't seem to figure out what weight class is for him, go, bouncing from promotion to promotion. But I like the fact that Dvorak has fought at 125 more consistently. And from what I've seen of Dvorak's offensive res, or offensive grappling, I think that he's a pretty competent grappler, even a, a pretty good grappler, I would say. And I think that despite having not seen his takedown defense, I think that he should be able to stay off his back here. He should be able to avoid getting taken down and stuck on his back for long periods of time. And on the feet, I definitely think that Dvorak should be the better striker than Silva here. So the fight really depends on uh, how aggressively Silva pursues the takedowns. I think that if he pursues them nonstop and tries to put Dvorak on his back over and over again, he might very well win this fight. But if he tries to keep it standing, maybe mix in a takedown every so often, I think that Dvorak likely outstrikes him, stuffs the takedowns, does damage, and possibly even gets a knockout on the feet. So the pick is going to be Dvorak. Uh, to, to, uh, let's go with decision in this one. Um, and not a not a super confident pick, uh, but I believe that he was the right side, the right bet to make at plus money. Uh, when the fight's a pick him now, I don't see see much value in Dvorak I just think it's too too little information on this fight to be confidently betting either side so the pick is Dvorak by decision uh, everyone who got in on Dvorak at plus money it was probably a good bet but right now it's going to be a pass the next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Maria Bueno Silva who is 6-0 taking on Marion Moraz who is 9-3. The opening betting line for this one was Bueno Silva minus 200 to Miraz plus 160. Right now we are seeing Bueno Silva minus 150 to Miraz plus 130. So pretty shocking opening line movement in my opinion. Uh, I mean Silva, there, there's very little footage of, of her fighting online only one fight in the UFC it was a bit of a confusing fight where she got taken down uh, by Jillian Robertson was getting you know kind of smashed on her back for a bit and then eventually just snatched an arm bar out of nowhere and got the tap on Robertson um, really weird fight I'd say that Jillian wins that fight more times than not and Silva got pretty lucky snatching that arm bar out of nowhere she's an orthodox fighter decent striking and Seems to have decent grappling as well. Mostly relies on submissions off her back, but 
I mean, I'm impressed with Miraz. I mean, she made some some very good improvements in her last fight against Mazo. Uh, she hit some takedowns on Mazo, had good clinch striking, was throwing good straight punches and outboxing Mazo in that fight, won a very dominant decision. And I think that, honestly, this line could be flipped. I think that Miraz could be the favorite here. I think that she has the better kickboxing. I think her straight punches will likely be landed on Silva. I think that the clinch will be very even with Miraz even looking to, to edge it out in the, in the clinch striking. And on the ground is where it really should be the closest. Uh, I think that Silva is definitely a threat, a submission threat, and will probably look to get this fight on the ground. But, I mean, Miraz is no slouch in terms of defensive grappling. She did get taken down a lot by Carla Esparza, but she got back up to her feet. She stayed safe. She had a good guard. Um, you know, she. I could see Silva submitting Miraz here, but it's, I mean, you cannot rely on it. I mean, Silva at 6-0 and with most of her submissions coming off of her back, I mean, if she was the type of grappler to aggressively aggressively pursue takedowns, have a great top game, and slowly work the submissions out of her opponent, I would be more likely to trust her. But I think most of her her submissions are just opportunistic. Like her her choke on the Tuesday Night Contender series, I mean, very opportunistic choke. And I think that Miraz is the better fighter, um, the better MMA fighter, well-rounded, and I think that she likely wins a decision here. So... Not the most confident pick, but I honestly think that there is some value on Marion Moreau's at plus 130. Uh, she, line, there's been uh, some line movement coming in and out on this fight all week. And Mraz uh, just jumped back up to a plus 130 underdog. So, I mean, this might be a good time to, to jump in on Mraz here because I do think she wins this decision. And she's likely a good bet at plus 130. So, the pick is Mraz by decision. The next fight takes place in the bantamweight division. We have Hani Yaya, who is 26-10, taking on Enrique Barzola, who is 16-5-1. The opening betting line for this one was Barzola, the favorite at minus 145 to Yaya, plus 115. Right now, we are seeing Barzola minus 190 to Yaya, plus 160. So, much more action coming in on Barzola as the favorite and I, I would agree with the line movement here i think that where the opening lines was set was a bit um a bit too close i think that barzola deserves this price tag where he's at now he dropped down to uh or he this is his first fight dropping down to bantamweight which is probably the only concern i really have in this fight how he will look at bantamweight how his cardio will hold up and that that's the only factor i think that's keeping him around minus 200 besides that i think he would be minus three or four hundred because Haniaya, i just don't think has much left in the tank i mean i think he got dominated by ricky simone in his last fight he was flopping to his back looking to pull guard and uh was getting taken down over and over again pressured on the feet and just looked did not look very physical in there was getting hurt with punches from simone so barzola is actually a very similar matchup to simone a guy who pressures you has decent boxing but really thrives in the in the takedowns in the wrestling game and barzola is is just that just that description of simone i actually think that barzola might be a little bit better than simone at this point in his career so I've also been impressed with the improvements Barzola has been making in his boxing, and even though he dropped that uh, the first two rounds to, to Aguilar, he came back in round three and won that round. Outboxing Aguilar had good cardio in that last round, so he usually has great cardio. He can go the full 15 minutes grappling in really hard type of fights. Uh, Yaya, most of his recent wins have been submissions over lower-level opponents. I mean, I don't think Yaya has a win over an, an opponent that is currently in the UFC. 
his past uh, six or se- six or seven submissions in the UFC are all over guys um, who are not in the UFC anymore. So I think that Simone's or uh, Yaya's time has passed him. I think that Barzola is the much better athlete, the much better fighter at this point in his career. Likely outboxes Yaya, hits takedowns, wins the decision pretty comfortably. So uh, I was able to bet Barzola at minus one seventy-eight. I believe was the price I got him at. Uh, not the greatest price because uh, he was hovering around uh, minus one sixty for a while. And then he eventually got bet down to minus 190 where he is now. So I think Barzola dominates here. He, he is a pretty confident pick for me. Only real concern is him dropping down in weight. But I'm pretty sure that he will be uh, fit here. He'll be fit to go the full 15 minutes. And uh, likely he wins this fight via decision. Possibly even a late finish. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos who is 21-6. Taking on Alexei Konchenko who is 20-1. The opening betting line for this one was Zaleski minus 175 to Konchenko plus 135. Right now we are seeing Zaleski minus 125 to Konchenko plus 105. So line margins tightening up here and I agree with the line movement. I think that where the line is set at now is much more accurate than where it opened at and yeah, it's a tough fight to predict. Both guys coming off of lo- uh, losses, you know, pretty pretty bad losses too. I would say. I mean, even though it was the first loss of uh, Konchenko's career, I mean, I think he got exposed in that fight uh, a bit by Burns. I mean, he did come back and win that round three after losing the first two rounds. But I mean, I think Konchenko. Uh, my worries about him entering the UFC a little bit past his his physical prime are, are very accurate. I think that his best days are behind him. Despite him having some good boxing technique, good offensive takedowns, really good takedown defense, um, I just don't think he has a really uh, a high physicality. He doesn't have a good work rate. His volume is pretty low. And maybe the same could be said about Zaleski. I mean, he really got dominated last fight by Jing Liang. I would say he got exposed even worse than Konchenko did. I mean, he got dropped in round one. He never adapted to the fight after that i mean he was just swinging wild punches to try to win the fight out of out of nowhere and just got thoroughly dominated got taken down and then eventually got knocked out in the last minute of that fight so who knows how these guys will bounce back from those losses it was zaleski's first loss in a long time i mean he was on a really good seven fight winning streak and before losing that fight to Jing Liang. And, and Jing Liang did not look so good this past weekend. So, you know, that loss is a bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, Zaleski getting thoroughly outstruck by Jing Liang, and then Neil Magny coming off a long layoff and dominating uh, Jing Liang. So it's a hard fight to predict. And on the feet, I think it'll be really even. I think that it'll likely be Zaleski's kicks and his you know crazy spinning techniques versus Konchenko's boxing. Uh, the the low volume thing will be an issue in this fight. I mean, these rounds are going to be uh, very up in the air. They could be going either way. And I, I slightly favor Konchenko to have the more consistent volume. He's going to be throwing those straight punches while Zaleski's just going to be looking for that knockout blow. And we might see Konchenko look to, to hit takedowns here. So... Uh, because Zaleski got taken down by, by Jing Liang, first of all, and 
uh, even Konchenko got taken down by uh, Brazil of, or by uh, Burns in his last fight too. So we might see Zaleski look to hit an offensive takedown. He doesn't have a bad ground game. So on the ground in this one, I, I favor Konchenko. I think that he has the better takedown defense and offensive wrestling. And I also favor Konchenko on the feet a little bit. And with that added element of uh, the crowd not being here to influence the judges' decisions, I, I like Konchenko a little bit more in this fight. I think that uh, with the, the crowd behind Zaleski, reacting to all the big moments uh, it would have been a very uh, big detriment to Konchenko and now that there's no fans in the arena we might actually have a chance at winning this decision for Konchenko so I think it will be a pretty low output fight we maybe see a takedown or two from from Konchenko to ice the rounds but we likely see the two of them just uh, have a low output kickboxing match in the feet with maybe like I don't know, 100 strikes landed in the fight total. So it's going to be a hard fight to, uh, to score. The rounds are going to be going every way. Uh, and I think that Konchenko edges a close decision in this one and gets his hand raised. So a uh, hard fight to bet on as well because of that element of that, that low output and the decision going either way. So I do think Konchenko wins. He's currently plus money right now, um, but I'm not really in a in a rush to bet him because I think the fight will be so close that uh, even at plus money, it won't really stand out as a good bet. So the pick is Konchenko by decision, and we are moving on to the next fight in the women's strawweight division where we have Amanda Hibas, who is 8-1, taking on Randa Marcos, who is 10-7-1. The opening betting line for this one was... Hibas, the favorite, at minus 325 to Marcos, plus 250. Right now, we are seeing Hibas minus 335 to Marcos, plus 275. So, Hibas getting a, a lot of respect from the betters and the, the odds makers who open this line here. And I, I agree with it, honestly. I, I do think that this is a, a fight where Hibas's chances of winning are 75, 80%. I mean, I just think she's on a different level than Marcos right now. Uh, Marcos is, I'd say, towards the end of her career hasn't really declined in her physicality too much she's still having some pretty competitive fights i mean her last fight versus ashley yoder very competitive physical fight she went the full 15 minutes she spent a lot of time on top she got got put on bottom a lot too got reversed i mean it was not a very good performance from marcos although she did win win the rounds and win uh, the fight Got her back taken at the end of the at the end of the fight as well in round three. So I think Hibas is going to likely butcher Marcos on the feet here. I mean Hibas has good boxing. Uh, she was easily outstriking Mackenzie Dern in her last fight. Uh, she was uh, outstriking Whitmire too. She's got she can hit her own offensive takedowns. Uh, you know double legs even has some judo trips as well. She's got some body lock trip takedowns. I mean a really good array of takedowns from Hibas. And then once she gets on the ground, man, she's got good jujitsu. She's got a good top game, can take the people's backs, got good submissions as well, was able to easily avoid all the takedowns of uh, Mackenzie Dern and you know thoroughly beat during 30 27 in that fight so i think that hibas really has the advantage everywhere here i mean maybe not in pure wrestling marcos still might put her on her back a, a few times but i think hibas will will defend will avoid getting stuck on her back for long periods of time get back to the feet threaten off her back and uh, win these rounds here versus marcos so where the line's at now minus 335 i i, I understand it it is pretty steep i i wouldn't be betting rebas at minus uh, 335 for sure, but maybe throwing her parlay. Uh, maybe I, I was able to get her at minus 290 to throw in a parlay. So I parlayed Hebas, Barzola, 
and I believe Hilbert or uh, Gilbert Burns uh, could be wrong about that, but I'll update that at, towards the end of the program. So uh, I'm pretty confident in Hibas here. Been impressed with her her first U- two UFC fights. Uh, Marcos I think has been uh, declining a little bit lately. Uh, that loss against Gedalia was not a good look. She threw nothing in that fight, no intensity. And then even that last win against Yoder, she showed a bit of sloppiness on the ground. She showed that she's not, uh, I think, the same grappler that she once was. So I'm picking Hibas in this one and. Uh, uh, in terms of the betting window now, I believe it is now Dogger Pass. The next fight is in the men's flyweight division. We have Juicier Formiga, who is 23 and 6, taking on Brandon Marino, who is 16, 5 and 1. The opening betting line for this one was Formiga, the favorite, at minus 185 to Marino, plus 145. Right now, we are seeing Formiga minus 150 to Marino, plus 130. So. More action coming in on the dog Marino in this one, although there is two-way action coming in on this fight. This is likely my most anticipated fight on the card. I really cannot wait for this one. We got the legend, uh, the, the veteran, Juicy Formiga. Some of the best jiu-jitsu, top game, back takes, and also some really underrated striking in the flyweight division. The guy's been around for forever. He's uh, you know a true veteran. He's got some great skill. One of the most underrated fighters in the UFC, honestly. Taking on Brandon Moreno, who is just... Uh, I mean, he's, he's a fireball, man. He's He's got so much energy and strength, cardio. I mean, th- this guy is charged up on so many steroids right now. I don't understand how you cannot be a fan of the guy. He came back in the UFC after a, a, a little hiatus where he got cut, won some fights, and came back. And those two fights were, were incredible. I mean, the performances he put against Askarov and Kaikara France were just, I mean, tremendous, quite frankly. The the Askarov fight was was scored a draw, but I honestly thought Marino could have won all three of those rounds. I mean, he definitely won the fight in terms of just the, how the overall fight uh, went. But in, even in the rounds, I, I would have scored the fight for Marino. So... Uh, it's likely going to be a, a battle of Formiga's top game, his back takes versus Marino's scrambles and his takedown defense. I mean, on the feet in this one, uh, I think it could be close. I mean, Formiga does have very technical striking. He's got really good clinch striking for MMA. But Marino just comes forward with pressure and power and throws punches and head kicks like nonstop. I mean, his output and his pressure is, is great. And, I mean, Marino's takedown defense his his defensive grappling is not very technical it's not um he doesn't do things the the technical wrestling type of way or the technical jiu-jitsu type of way but he just has a way of making everything work he is so opportunistic and so strong that he can just power out of dominant positions i mean the the back take from dustin ortiz uh, is an example and uh, the back take of Askarov, he, he, he's just so good at, at exploding out at just the right time uh, to avoid that getting his back taken or to, to avoid getting mounted or something like that. So it's not very technical. It might lose him this fight here because Formiga is just so technical. He's, like I was saying earlier, one of the best uh, grapplers in, in UFC history, honestly. I mean, the way he neutralized Figueredo, uh not even a year ago was just so impressive. You know, took him down, mounted him, really frustrated him on the mat, and then just took off round three and conceded victory and won that decision. So, I mean, he's got a victory over uh, Figueredo, who just proved to be one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the sport. And, you know, Formiga did get knocked out in his last fight against Benavidez. Uh, and, you know, that, that win, that loss might not look as good now. Uh, Benavidez coming off of his loss. 
I definitely think that Formiga looked a bit uh, a step slower in that last fight versus Benavidez, um, and I think that Formiga overall is declining physically. While Marino, as I said earlier, I mean I'm not I'm not ragging on the guy. I'm not making any speculate, or I guess I am speculating, but I honestly think that Marino is so charged up with uh, with steroids right now that it's it's hard to outgrapple him. It's hard to hurt him on the feet because he can just go so hard. I mean his output and his pressure in round three versus Kai Car France was insane. And this is at an insane weight class. I mean, flyweight demands you to be a great athlete, and Marino stands out at that weight class of great athletes. So I'm picking Marino to win this one here. Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of Formiga, really respect the guy, and I think that he does have a path to win this fight. It's going to be that back take to get that body triangle. Uh, You know, that's really, really hard to escape. He's going to be looking to to take the back from maybe the standing position. He does that a lot. Or he's going to be looking to time a double leg, single leg, look to take a... Marino down, establish a dominant position, and outgrapple him here. But I just think that Marino will eventually uh, either stuff the takedowns, get off of his back, avoid the back take, escape the back take, and get back on the feet and land the harder strikes, win, sway the judges, and win these rounds. Uh, and I'm going to pick Marino to win by decision. I think he's just mo- – I'm mostly basing my, my opinion off the fact uh, that he is just so much more physical than Formica at this point. It's often not a good idea to pick physicality over technique, but sometimes it works. Uh, It worked with Figueroa versus Benavidez, and I think it works here in Marino uh, defeating uh, Formiga by decision. And at plus money, I mean, I think that right now... uh, the, the odds are honestly pretty accurate. I think the pre-fight, you do have to cap Formiga as the favorite. Uh, but uh, Marino, I was able to bet him at plus 150. I like that price for him. And I think that he, he will definitely fight for your money at that plus money here. So the, the pick is Marino by decision once again. And that's going to move us to the main card of the evening where the first fight takes place in the lightweight division. We got Francisco Trinaldo, who is 24-7, and seven, taking on John McDessie, who is 17-6. and six. The opening betting line for this one was Trinaldo the favorite at minus 200, MacDessy plus 160. Right now we are seeing Trinaldo minus 155, MacDessy plus 135. So there was some pretty steady action on Trinaldo around that minus 200 price, but the past few days some some big action has been creeping in on MacDessy. I mean, he went from uh, minus 190 on Thursday which is earlier today to minus 155 which is which is crazy i mean i, I didn't this must have just happened in the past few hours uh, some heavy action is coming on john mcdessey and this could have a big factor to do with the, with the no fans being in the arena because i think francisco trinaldo lost his last fight 30-27 i honestly scored all three rounds for bobby green but the fight was in brazil um, Trinaldo, a Brazilian legend, and he won the decision comfortably. So, I mean, that this is a very real phenomenon with judges and the crowd influencing the judges. And uh, with with the, the, the crowd not being in Brazil anymore, I honestly think that Mac Desi has a lot better chance to win this fight because it's, it's likely going to go to a decision. It's likely going to be pretty low output. Both of these guys are, tend to be low output. Trinaldo consistently low output. He's a counter-striker, and I mean it lost him that decision versus alex hernandez he was just he went won that fight for sure he was picking the shots really nicely and outstriking hernandez but he was just throwing so little and being so tentative that he lost that decision 
And Matt Dessie did not have a good performance last fight against Pinedo. He's taking a year layoff as well. Um, but Matt Dessie, I'd say, w does have the overall better kickboxing technique. I mean, Trinaldo has great technique. He's got, you know, really clean striking in all aspects. But I think Matt Dessie is, is just a little bit more technical. It's going to be a, a fun orthodox uh, in Matt Dessie versus Southpaw and Trinaldo matchup. And I think Matt Dessie, we'll, we'll, we'll see him be throwing the more volume. We're going to see Trinaldo looking to throw those classic counter strikes and land the harder strikes so we're going to see mac desi throwing the the volume strikes and trinaldo throwing the power strikes and i think trinaldo definitely has the better ground game of the two might look in look look to mix in takedowns here at some point but i should mention that i do think trinaldo is declining physically i mean this guy has been a physical specimen for most of his career i mean he was well into his 40s and still d displaying incredible physical uh attributes and fights but now at the age of 41 I honestly think that after those past two fights versus Hernandez and Green, we're finally starting to see the years add up to Trinaldo, and I think he's losing a little bit of that physicality. So I'm still going to pick Trinaldo here as I think that he has more ways to win this fight. I think that he can win maybe by a knockout, a counter-strike knockout. He can win the rounds of just by outstriking, landing the harder shots, or by outgrappling grappling Mac here. While I think Mac path of victory is going to be consistently out-voluming Trinaldo uh, full, for the full 15 minutes and edging two of those three rounds, which is a much more narrow path of victory. So... Uh, I honestly think that Trinaldo at the current price, minus 155, not terrible. I mean, r minus 190, it was definitely dog or pass. Right now, I'm not really seeing too much value on either side, and I think this is will, will be another close decision. Uh, I, I'm going to pass on both sides in this one. I advise you do the same. I think even... Even at that minus 150 price for Trinaldo, I just do not think he's reliable enough at this point in his career to be betting him at that favorite price. So the pick is Trinaldo by decision, but it's a pass on both ends for me. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Johnny Walker, who is 17-4, taking on Nikita Krylov, who is 26-7. The opening betting line for this one was... Walker, the favorite at minus 195 to Krylov plus 155. Right now we are seeing Walker minus 130 to Krylov plus 110. So a lot more action coming in on Krylov as the dog. And I would totally agree with that. I think that where that initial line was set was way too wide. I think that even before Walker got knocked out by Anderson, that line would have been wide. And with Walker coming off that knockout in his last loss, and him moving camps to TriStar in this one. I'm really curious to see the changes that, that Walker makes. I think that changing him too much would be a bad idea. I think that that crazy offense in round one and his, his you know unpredictable style is honestly an attribute of his. And if Faraz Sahabi tries to do too much to try to change Walker, then I think that he could be a bit tentative here and not fight to the best of his abilities. And let's talk about Krylov a little bit. He came in back in the UFC, lost to Blahovich. Picked up a nice win over uh, OSP by Rear Naked Choke. But then that last fight against Glover Teixeira, really bad performance from Krylov. I mean, he was getting outboxed by Teixeira. He was backpedaling and moving backwards the entire fight. He got taken down a few times and had some close grappling exchanges with Teixeira. I will say that Krylov's grappling has gotten a lot, a lot better than the last time we saw him in the UFC. I mean... 
the evidence is clear. I mean, he was choked out by OSP back in 2014, and then he comes back in 2019 and chokes out OSP to avenge that loss. So his ground game is getting a lot better, and I think that he is no question has the better ground game than, than Walker, but d- don't know what he will look to, to implement it with. I don't know if he will shoot takedowns here. I mean, he has been going for more takedowns in his recent fight, so I think Krylov has a good chance at shooting for his takedowns here. And I don't know if he'll be able to submit Walker. I don't know if he'll be able to outgrapple him. But, uh, I mean, tapping out OSP was, was a very good uh, feather in the cap of Krylov. And he might look to implement that same game plan here versus Walker. I find the striking in this fight just so hard to predict based on the fact we never know what Walker's going to do. Especially the fact that he's changed camps to a, a much more traditional martial arts type of guy. Might try to change up his style. I mean, Faraz likes to get his fighters fighting behind a jab. And, I mean, we might see Walker use his reach. I mean, he definitely has the capabilities to to fight behind his jab, to, to throw a front kick, to use his range to keep uh, his opponents at bay. And, you know conserve his striking style a little bit more you know refine his tools instead of just being straight power shots and going off of the knockout really interested to see how walker looks here and i'm not really confident in krylov to outstrike uh, walker despite him likely having the better striking technique i mean just the striking i saw from him and glover i really have no confidence in krylov to outstrike uh walker here so I like Krylov at plus money. He's the more durable guy, no question. Only been knocked out once in his career. He's probably got the better cardio of the two. Um, even though we have not seen him late much in the deep rounds. I mean, the, that fight versus Glover was one of the first times he's been in round three in his career. But he performed well in that round. I definitely think that Krylov is the more durable, the more um, athletic guy. He has the better ground game. And I, 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 I'm going to side with Krylov here. Um, mostly because I'm, I'm just very, very weary of Walker right now. I have no idea what to expect from him coming off that loss. Uh, I think the Krylov at plus money is the right side to be on in the betting window here. Not, again, similar to Konchenko earlier. Despite him being plus money, I'm not rushing to bet Krylov here. Because I think that despite him having the value uh, pre-fight, there's going to be some moments in fight where he's going to seem like a bad bet. And uh, might even lose this fight too. So the pick uh, is going to be Krylov. I'm going to go with submission. I just think that the way this fight plans out is going to be so wild. These guys maybe end up uh, on the ground via a takedown or a slip or something. Krylov gets on top and gets a submission. So not the most confident pick in Krylov here, uh, but I'm siding with Krylov by submission. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Hanato Moiscano, who is 13-3-1, taking on Damir Hadzevich, who is 13-5. The opening betting line for this one is... Moikano, the favorite, at minus 325 to Hadzevic, plus 250. Right now, we are seeing Moiskano minus 335 to Hadzevic, plus 275. Not much line movement coming in on this one. We got Hanato Moiskano moving up to 155 pounds to make his debut against Demir Hadzevic, who's a, a decent lightweight. Definitely has his, his weaknesses, and I think Moiscano is, is, has the better technique everywhere. I think that the, really the only concern here is him moving up to 155. Maybe he's undersized. Maybe um, he can't deal with the physicality of 155. Uh, he's not the biggest uh, 45er, but uh, he's very technical. He, he definitely had some struggles with some uh, fight IQ moments. Uh, he shot a takedown in round three versus Brian Ortega, got his neck snatched, got tapped out, was winning round one versus Aldo, comes out aggressive in rounds two, gets countered and knocked out. 
last fight against Korean Zombie was throwing out a lazy jab in the first minute of the fight, and uh, Moisk, or, uh, Korean Zombie clocks him with the right hand and knocks him out. So, I mean, three major, major gaffes from Moist Kano that lost him those fights that he could have won, I think. So, uh, maybe th- this move up to 55 is a bit of a, a question for me. I mean, I-, I think that he made the weight comfortably at 45 uh, consistently. So I really do not know what is motivating him to move up in weight class here. But regardless, I think that Hodzovic just has a, a little too many weaknesses in his takedown defense and his uh, submission defense. The way he got taken down by Yagos, gave up his back, gave up the front headlock position multiple times. I just think that uh, his takedown defense is too weak, and he likely gets submitted here by Moise Kano. I mean, Moise Kano is not a wrestler. He does have great jiu-jitsu, has some nice submissions on his record, mostly a striker, though. And I think that on the feet, uh, Moise Kano likely lights uh, Hadzovic up with straight punches and calf kicks and likely wins this fight uh, via finish, honestly. I I see Moise Kano getting the submission here, so... The current betting window, I'd say uh, Moise Kano is parlay material. I would not be betting his money line at this price. It's definitely dogger pass at this price. Um, I don't think there's much value on uh, Hodzovich, though, as I think he loses the fight. So uh, the pick, once again, is Moise Kano by submission. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Damian Maya, who is 28-9, taking on Gilbert Burns, who is 17-3. The opening betting line for this one was Burns minus 150, Maya plus 110. Right now we are seeing Burns minus 170, Maya plus 150. So much more action coming in on the favorite Hilbert Burns in this one, and rightfully so. I think this is a very good matchup for Burns, and you know what a fun fight on paper. I would have loved to see it uh, maybe a few years earlier, maybe when the fight could have been more competitive. But I mean, Burns is just moving up to seventy. Maya, you know the the, the veteran at one seventy. But you know you got to mention that Maya's forty two years old, man, and he's been really active lately. He's been picking up some nice victories. I mean, I think he's on like a three fight win streak, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, he's on a, on a three-fight win streak. I mean, he, he before that, too, I mean, he's only really lost to elite-level competition, Woodley, Covington, and Usman, three of the best in the weight class. I mean, even before that, he was on a seven-fight win streak over some really good uh, opponents. So, I mean, Maya's a veteran, a legend, uh, a Hall of Famer, likely. But, I mean, Gilbert Burns is the new blood in Brazil. He's, uh, I mean, I'm just so impressed with Burns. He's uh, mostly fought at 55 throughout his career, decided to move up to 170 to take some short-notice fights, and decided to go uh, beat the undefeated Alexei Konchenko, and then decided to go beat uh, Gunnar, uh, Gunnar Nelson in his last fight too. So Burns has easily transitioned up to 170. And, I mean, his skill set is just getting so polished and so good. He's got heavy calf kicks that does damage with. His boxing is getting a lot better. His takedown defense is is really good. I mean, his takedown defense versus Gunnar Nelson was immaculate. Stuffing double legs, stuffing shots against the fence. And, I mean, I was just so impressed with his takedown defense in that fight. Really, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm confidently picking Burns here. Because if a strong wrestler like Gunnar Nelson wasn't able to take Burns down for the full 15 minutes, I see Maya having a hard time taking him down. And, I mean, Burns has offensive wrestling, too. Really good offensive wrestling. Can hit Some of the best wrestling for a jiu-jitsu guy that I've ever seen. Uh, can hit shots against the cage, double legs in, in space, uh, good at catching kicks and everything, too. So, I mean, I can't have enough good things to say about Gilbert Burns and uh, Maya coming off of that that win over uh, Askren in his last fight. Couple worrisome things about that fight is 
he got taken down by Ben Askren four times. Now, Askren has retired since he's realized that he's not the same fighter he once was. He lacks a lot of physicality that he once did, but he was still able to take down uh, Damian Maya four times. Now, he wasn't able to keep top position because every time he took him down, Maya was able to just sweep him or use a submission, and it really just showed the disconnect between wrestling and jiu-jitsu because Askren would use wrestling to take Maya down, and then Maya would easily use jiu-jitsu to stand back up. So it was a really fun fight, and Maya got outstruck by Askren in round two of that fight too. I mean, he got busted up with some punches. So I have very little doubt that Burns will be winning the striking here. I think the Burns will be lighting Maya's leg up with calf kicks, be hurting him with punches, and Burns has talked about him wanting to engage in the grappling with Maya here, him wanting to test his skills against the legend, and I think that that would be a bad idea, obviously, but even if he chooses to do so, I think that he should still be safe and still comfortably win this fight because he will likely take down Maya. All he has to do is just avoid a, a guard submission from Maya, and he should be golden to keep top position. I mean, Burns is a third or fourth degree black belt. He competes against a really high-level guys in jiu-jitsu on a regular basis, and I think that Burns is probably the better grappler than Maya at this point in their career. I think the, the physicality that Burns has, the strength that he has, uh, outweighs Maya's technique at this point in my uh, experience too i mean there's no one who is more experienced in mma grappling than damian maya so uh, i think this is kind of a bad matchup at this point in, in maya's career i think that he likely gets outstruck on the feet probably gets his takedown stuffed and um without burns willingly engaging in the grappling maybe making a mistake letting maya get in an, an advantageous position letting maya sweep him uh i think that burns should uh, comfortably win this fight and likely knock out damian maya in the later rounds so the pick is burns i was able to bet him at minus 156 i believe the price i got on him was um yeah, minus 152, two units on him from a few weeks back. Uh, I definitely beat the line movement, so I'm pretty happy with that bet. And I think that Burns wins this fight comfortably. The next fight is the main event of the evening in the lightweight division. We got Kevin Lee, who is 18-5, taking on Charles Oliveira, who is 28-8. The opening betting line for this fight was Oliveira minus 142, Lee plus 100. Right now, the line has flipped. We are now seeing Lee minus 142, Oliveira plus 120. Man, what a great fight. Really hard fight to predict. I mean, I, I, I will come out and say that I do not have an extremely confident read in this one at all. Although, I just spent a lot of time watching each of these guys' fights, and I will share my thoughts on who I think uh, has the best chance of winning the fight. Now, I'll just go ahead and spoil it. I think I slightly favor Kevin Lee here. But these guys are, are a bit similar to one another in the in the aspect where they both tend to start fast. They likely uh, like to get it ahead in the early lead. Oliveira likes getting ahead with that early finish like most of the time, while Lee just likes putting a round or two in the bank. Although he did get a, a first round knockout of his own in his last fight. Really impressive win over Gregor Gillespie. And they both also tend to slow down later in fights. Oliveira has been previously marked as a quitter, a guy who, if he starts losing rounds one and two, he, he likely just kind of gives up and gets finished in rounds two or three. And But, I mean, Oliveira hasn't even gone to the third round since 2016. So, I mean, and he's been extremely, extremely active since those times. So, I mean, he's really the killer-be-killed type of mentality. 
did get finished a few times uh, along those lines got finished by uh, well that fight in the third round by the way he did get finished by that by Pettis in that fight got finished by uh, Lamas and then got knocked out by Felder too but I mean he's been on a tear lately six wins six knock or six finishes I'm sorry uh four four chokes and um two knockouts with with punches and kicks too so i mean i'm really impressed with Oliveira. his striking has been getting a lot better uh, i think that he is the better striker in this matchup based on the fact that he just has more weapons i mean he's got punches elbows and really good kicks to go along with it while lee is more of uh primarily a, a boxer who mixes in the occasional kick now in terms of the grappling here Oliveira, you we, we know that he's the the, the more more of a submission threat he's got the better jujitsu of the two we know that lee has the better wrestling the better top game of the two and it's going to be interesting to see how the the two of them compete against one another i honestly see kevin lee hitting takedowns we're likely going to see Oliveira look to grab a guillotine look to grab a, a, a triangle or something like that but I see Lee defending, I see uh, Lee avoiding the submission, and just doing good work from top position, tiring Oliveira out, looking to pass, looking to land ground and pound. I mean, Lee's top game is no joke. He submitted some excellent grapplers, put some great grapplers in bad positions like Tony Ferguson. And as long as Lee's cardio holds up in this fight, he doesn't have a, a huge cardio drop-off like he has in some of his recent fights, I think that he should win this fight and likely finish Oliveira in the later rounds, like rounds three or four. Lee does have the more experience going the full five rounds. He's been scheduled for main events uh, much more often. I think Oliveira's last main event was back in like 2015. 15 or 16 or something like that while lee went the full five against i quinta back in 18 uh, 2018 he was scheduled for five rounds versus rda only went four in that fight uh was the main event of the barbosa fight had a good five round performance there so i mean five of lee's last six fights have been scheduled for five rounds while Charles Oliveira has not gone the full five rounds in his career ever and has not been scheduled for the full five rounds since 2015. That's a huge factor. So Lee will likely have the better cardio. He will likely be better prepared for that five-round fight. And I think that he is more likely to win those later rounds. So uh, unless Oliveira gets out to an early lead where he starts hurting uh, Kevin with punches, busting Kevin up on the feet, and maybe look to hit his own takedown, look to hit to, to do his own work from top position, Lee is definitely a better offensive wrestler than defensive. And Oliveira has a good takedown abilities. I mean, he can time a good shot, do good work from top position, and it's really going to be a fun fight. I think that it's going to be competitive wherever it goes slightly favor Oliveira on the feet and slightly favor Lee on the ground and I think that Lee's wrestling his takedowns his top game will be a little bit too much he likely gets uh, takedowns gets top position tires Oliveira out and gets a third round ground and pound knockout that is the official prediction in terms of the betting window, though, I think the Oliveira money line is the one with value at this point. I mean, with Kevin Lee at minus 140, it's hard to trust him as a favorite. I mean, he does tend to make some bad fight IQ decisions there. He did look good in his last fight, his first fight at TriStar, um, popping out a good jab, outboxing um, Gregor Gillespie for a little bit before landing that nice head kick knockout. So I just don't think we've seen enough from Kevin to, to think he's some brand new fighter, some extremely polished fighter all of a sudden. So... I'm siding with Lee here. I think he wins this fight, but in the betting window, I'd say it's dog or pass, and I have no bets on the main event so far. So 
In terms of uh, bets I have so far, we got one unit on David Dvorak plus 116. We'll look to bet Marion Mraz at plus 130. Uh, a pretty sizable bet on Enrique Barzola at minus 170. Um, yeah, let's see, uh, one unit Marino plus 150. Uh, and... Then two units, Burns, minus 152, along with a parlay with Moiscano, Hibas, and uh, Barzola, those three. those You, you parlay Barzola, um, Hibas, and Moiscano, and you get a nice like plus 150, plus 170 parlay. So those are the bets for me. I will make all my uh, bets official on the BetMMA Tips page. And uh, thank you to each and every one of you who listened to the episode. I will catch you all next week before the next UFC. Peace. Thank you.